Hi and welcome. I'm Daniel Rickman, your mayor and guide to everything that's happening around town. Deep dive with us into the heart of the best kept secret in the Southeast, Columbia, South Carolina. From the buzzing culinary scene to the business trailblazers pushing our city's boundaries, we're here to give you an insider's glimpse into the vibrant tapestry of people, places, and opportunities that make Columbia unparalleled. Thanks for tuning in, and without further ado, let's jump right into the show. Welcome, everybody, to another Around the Town podcast. So excited to have everybody here today. Um, and we've got a special guest, Sumner Bender. She is the executive director of the Nickelodeon, which is located in our beautiful downtown on Main Street and been an institution. You know, it's always been on Main. You know, people forget yes. that. They're like, well, it's it's the new spot on Main. I was like, but the old spot was, was on, on Main. Main as well, <laughs> the other side. Yeah, a lot of people don't remember that, but uh, it's incredible. So, you know, Sumner is a, a Columbia native, a USC alum, go Gamecocks. Yeah, but you know she she brings a unique background. You know, not only has she worked with uh, other groups in town, Trustus Theater, the contemporaries at the Museum of Art, um, who are responsible for our beautiful chandelier at the the museum there, but also she's been a theater teacher, a professional development facilitator. I always like when people say I'm a facilitator. Yeah, I like to facilitate. <laughs> So, but we're excited to, you're here. Yeah. Sumner, how about just, you know, tell everybody a little bit about, all right, you're, you're a Columbia native. What yeah. was it like growing up here and why, what, what made you stay here? And obviously take on this iconic theater right. that, you know, has had its ups and downs. Obviously the, the pandemic put a major dent into it and it took y'all a little bit longer to recover, but it's up. It's running. It's alive. It's well. Please visit. But um, tell us a little bit, you know, all right, your background. So people want to know who you are. I love that. um, And I appreciate that. So from Columbia, when I was around eight years old, my parents were like, you have a lot of excess energy. We have got to get you somewhere where somebody else can pay attention to you for a little while. So they uh, put me in acting classes at Workshop Theater. And that was pretty much solidified my future. Um, my dad jokes that I majored in theater in middle school and high school. So it, anytime I could get on a stage or near a stage, I was there. And that kind of continued on throughout the rest of my life, even though I didn't study theater when I was at USC. I was a public relations major because I loved writing and I loved information and sharing information. So while I was at USC, I was also working with Trustus Theater. So I started with Trustus around 2003. And I was getting a degree in public relations, so they needed people to write press releases. So I started doing all their press releases and started doing their publicity and stage managing. The first thing I ever did with them is I walked in, I volunteered to bartend one Sunday afternoon. And then 10 years later, I was the president of the board. And so that just shows you, and I like to tell that story because it really was a passion interest for me that just grew as I grew with it. So I I was interested in every aspect of the nonprofit world. My first job in high school was with the South Carolina Press Association, which is a nonprofit. And I thought, um, I didn't realize at that time that nonprofit was going to be my life, the driving force behind my life, but it seems to be that way. And I just recognized that in our city and in our state, All the good that's happening, a lot of the good that's happening is coming from these nonprofit organizations, whether it's social services or arts organizations. And when you really tap into that and kind of understand the nonprofit work that's being done here, if you want to have a life that you find really meaningful, that's a great place to look because you're going to find a lot of joy in that and a lot of hard work. So (laughs) the Nickelodeon has had ups and downs, just like every other arts organization in this city. COVID really changed the habit of the way that we consume media and the way we consume entertainment and the way we consume, if you think about it, food. So we have food delivered to our house now. Uh, You don't have to leave the couch to see these amazing movies. So we're in an interesting situation now of how do we recognize the changes in our community members and still create a space that and help remind them that it's that unique experience of being in a room with 50 other people from the same city experiencing this entertainment together that is actually really, really valuable. And um, so it's been a a long time coming to the Nickelodeon. Um, 
all the work I did at Trustus really helped prepare me for it. Uh, but Columbia is a very special place. And I'm very thankful that I live here. There's a lot of work that always needs to be done here. And I think that's kind of what drives me because whenever I see things that I can see a good future for things and I like being a part of change. And so I, when I was a teacher, I would talk to my students a lot about, you know, when you see your parents tell you this and you roll your eyes all the time, but if you see something that needs to be done, do it. And that is kind of how my work life even came into being, how I got jobs was because I would see a need and I would do it. And then somebody would say, oh, thank you for doing that. <laughs> we'll pay you to do that if you'll keep doing it. And that's just kind of how it has all come about. And um, I think in the nonprofit, I was, uh, hated leaving education because working with children was probably the best time in my life and the most rewarding time in my life. But it's also anybody who's been an educator can understand it's the hardest time of your life and not sustainable for some people. But the Nickelodeon is one of those places that I remember going to the place on the other side of Main Street and seeing movies that just no one else was showing. And that was when I was in high school and I was like, this is the coolest place I've ever been. And then when they I followed it, when it moved to the other side of Main Street and then they rebuilt and had a second space and the progress of the Nickelodeon really kind of shows the progress of Main Street in general. If you think about it, when I was younger, we didn't go to Main Street. You know, I was a kid in the 80s and a teen in the 90s. And we there were, was nothing, on, there Main was nothing on Main Street except the wig store, yeah. which was great. And the Army Navy store where I would buy camo for Spirit Day. And so that's exactly kind of how the Nickelodeon was when it was on the other side of Main Street. It was, you know, it was very small. Not many people went there. But when it moved to the other side and took over the old Fox Theater and then rebuilt to have a second screen, I mean, that was the same process. It was mirroring Main Street. And like, what a cool way to look at that because, you know, Mast came and the museum's there and now it's flourishing. And our we're busy right now. We've got great movies. And so a lot of people are coming to see our movies and we really appreciate that. So uh, the Nickelodeon is sort of the story of Main Street and the story of Columbia has its ups and downs has setbacks, but also has extreme potential to move into the future. So what do you see as new experiences that you could create there or things y'all thought about to draw people in? I'm, I know that there's a period where I think they're still doing it, where you can even rent theaters and take all your friends and do a special screening and that. turn it into, you know, a wine tasting party with a yeah. movie tied into it. I mean, what are y'all working on, you know, to, to, give the Nick it's, it's little niche again, like, yes, absolutely. like it's always had. So what's really interesting is that while no one was paying attention, the movie industry changed yep. and we were all at home during the pandemic and these smaller movie theaters that were making the $5 million, $10 million movies that we were used to seeing at the Nickelodeon, those studios don't exist anymore. They were bought by larger companies. And so those movies are the ones that are being sent straight to streaming now. So, and if it goes to streaming, we at the Nickelodeon are not allowed to show it. So there's a lot of new rules and regulations about what movies can and cannot be shown in theaters, especially in independent theaters. And there just isn't the amount of movies being produced that there used to be. And so we have had to, what I talk about that our movie buyer, his name is Adam. We have this conversation a lot. It's a pendulum, right? So the entertainment industry has swung all the way to commercial right now. There are, if so people right now we've got, you know, the Indiana Jones movie and then the Wes Anderson Asteroid City. And some Nickelodeon members are not happy that we're showing Indiana Jones. And I understand that because they, this is the play. They're like, I don't want to be able to see same movie across the river at the big multiplex that I can see at the Nickelodeon. And unfortunately, right now, that's the realistic outcome of the movie industry. I think, but what I'm really happy is that if you can go to a multiplex or the Nickelodeon, Columbia is choosing to go see these movies at the Nickelodeon yeah, because of the atmosphere and prices because we're not as expensive. But so how do we figure out a way to work in our mission? Because our mission is very specific, that it's all about you know critical dialogue that you get from watching films you won't normally see. And so how do we still do that while running a business that has to show mainstream movies because that's what's out there? And so we have a, 
uh, community programmer. So he's making these connections in the community and saying, you know, there's probably large, a lot of people in Columbia that have never gone to the Nickelodeon. Why? Why haven't you been to the Nickelodeon? What is it about? Do you feel like that's not a space for you? Do we not have entertainment for you? Is there not programming for you? And if there isn't, how do we program something that would make you feel like you are welcome in that space? And that's what we're trying to do. So we had, you know, like, which is a huge opportunity because you know how many people live here have never been on the river. I know it's insane. So it doesn't surprise me, but it also shows you that there's, there's a built in audience that just needs to be tapped. Absolutely. And so when you look at it, there are challenges, of course, but all those challenges are opportunities. So we are finding ways to do, like we just had, there was a documentary that came out. It was called Close to Vermeer about uh, the famous painter and how in Amsterdam, this museum was able to get all the Vermeers in the world in one place at one time and how impossible that task is. And they made a documentary about it. And then we had Michael Neumeister, who's the curator of the museum, come in and do a talk back. This movie, we would have maybe had 50 people come see it over a week, but we sold out that event that day and then had a huge increase in people coming to see that movie because of that special Word connection and partnering with another organization to have that insight. So we did that. And then we partnered with Bobby Donaldson um, at the civil rights at the USC for uh, our Juneteenth event. And that was also sold out. So we're able to find these little moments where we can connect to community organizations and members and show films or documentaries that have um, that help us with that mission-driven goal that we have. Uh, we've also we had a we had a panel on, and I know this is something you've been working on: public housing. So we had a public housing panel at the Nickelodeon. We didn't even show a movie, and so that was sold out. People, and, and I say sold out; these are free events. Just we ran out; we were only with uh, standing room only. But it's an, a lot of people want to engage in community spaces. And that is the thing that's interesting about the Nickelodeon. It's not just a movie theater. It's a community space. So you can come there and see Indiana Jones on Friday. But on Sunday, there might also be a really interesting small documentary that taps into the Hispanic culture. And someone from you know the Hispanic Association in Colombia is going to come and talk to you about ways you can be involved. And so that's what I think also helps the Nickelodeon remain uh, separate from these multiplexes, you know, and a lot of movie theaters aren't, aren't doing well and they're closing and it's hard for the upkeep, but we're very thankful for our membership base because our membership is really the driving force behind our organization. There are a lot of benefits about being a member, but one of the things we're really trying to tell our members now, and that narrative is you are what keeps these doors open as much as I've come in and done a lot of work in the past year. If our members didn't support the Nickelodeon and didn't thankfully trust me at the helm, we wouldn't be where we are. Those doors might not have opened back up again because they're willing to come in and say, I'm going to give you this money to support you this year. And then they're saying, and every year they say, I'm going to do it again. And that is so meaningful in a way that a lot of the other organizations don't have that connection with people. And so we're listening to them and we want to hear what they want and what they need. But also we are an organization for Columbia and we want to give Columbia what they want and what they need. So it's, it's a really interesting time. Uh, you know, I always think it can fill another niche too, because we don't have a lot of small uh, entertainment venues where, you know, you could do, you could do three nights sell out of an acoustic guy that's there telling, you know, a songwriter night or something because right. it's set up perfectly for those type of events. It is. You know, I want to throw in my personal pitch. I'd love to see more music documentaries. I'm 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 all into music Let documentaries me tell you. <laughs> right now. And I don't know why. I'm no, just, they're great. You know, I watched Aretha, but I was watching the whole thing on the Muscle Shoals folks. And yes. then the you know the Leonard Skinner, you know, you just think of this as some, you know, old Southern rock band. But when you look at the talent that they had and you'd listen to these producers say these guys just would walk in the room in 30 minutes, they'd write a hit. And get and hits know, that have lasted yeah, generations, yeah. But it's just interesting. But you know, I, I, I've gotten more into that. I get in these phases, and I'm like, docs, docs, docs. Well, you know, it's really interesting. Our biggest, one of our biggest nights that we had in the past month was they we showed a production of uh, the Grateful Dead in concert 
And let me tell you, we sold more beer that night than I think we sold the whole month of June because they came and they watched the show and they had a good time. And we had a cover band play before. And it was just a magical night at the Nickelodeon that had we, you know, they emailed us and they said, do you want to show this concert? And we said, yes. So that's what we're doing. People are like, do you want to do this? And we're saying yes. So I love that. Yeah, yeah. but. I didn't know about that. I would have gone. My goodness. Let me introduce you to our social media <laughs> where we do. We'll put you on the mailing list. Let me make but, a note. But but that's the kind of stuff I think that creativity where you're adding those pieces and you yes. can sell it out. And, you know, I'm a big believer in, in figuring out a way to sell three nights out. Like I, I've had this. I, w- I want to do this silent disco. Love that. And I love to do it on the Hampton Preston lawn yeah. under a big tent and sell it out three nights in a row. Wow. And, you know, all the money goes to, we'll pick a charity. Yes. But do it because it's so much fun, especially if you sell tickets and it's not everybody you know. Right. You know, because then suddenly you create these other random conversations, but the disco and you're watching people and it's hilarious. It's one of the funnest things I've ever done. And we do it every year with my daughter. I love that. At the University of Georgia. And this will will be the fourth year that we'll end up doing it. They always do it at Parents Weekend. Oh, that's fun. And, and, you know, we have like 900 people in a warehouse doing it. And it is absolutely hilarious and fun. And there's There's so many people you could partner with for something like that as well. So uh, sidebar, years ago, First Thursday had this thing where it was a podcast, I think, and you had to volunteer and you would just show up on Main Street one day or at Boyd Plaza and you were either wearing blue, red, you had to wear a primary color and it was a podcast and we all put our headphones in at the same time. We were all being given different directions based on what color you were wearing. And so you were running up and down Main Street, interacting with people, but no one's talking to any. So it was very similar to that. I can't remember what it was called, but it was like maybe 2013 First Thursday had this really cool thing that reminds me of that is everybody with headphones having the time of their life and you're still interacting. So it's still social engagement. I think there's so much opportunity here for us to grow, especially the film arts, you know, live performances. I think we've got this incredible talent pool. How do we get more people doing projects, you know, and utilizing the Nick for these, some of these alternative projects and, and growing. I know we have the Indie Grits Film Festival. I feel like we ought to have two of them. So Indie Grits is really interesting and people ask me about it regularly. And I think had the pandemic not happened, Indie Grits would have become its own nonprofit organization. It was growing bigger than the Nickelodeon. And so it probably would have split off and become its because it was a citywide festival at that point, which was not in any way. Now that I'm at the helm of the Nickelodeon, I'm like not sustainable for the Nickelodeon to be able to have something that big. So there is an opportunity. We, we plan on bringing back film festivals, but we have to do it in a manageable way. One that won't um, overwhelm our, you know, cutback staff. And so I think education is such a big part of all of that. And one of the biggest things that's missing from the Nickelodeon right now is our ability to staff an education department. Mm-hmm. So we want to get back into media literacy, which has never been more important. Um, but also, you know, the university for the first time has acting for the camera class. So we're partnering with them. They did a film and they came and did a premiere of it at the Nick. So it's like education is now popping up all over the city for film and for education or or teaching people how to create films. Everybody has a phone in their hand. All these kids are essentially filmmakers now. They're all on YouTube or on TikTok and they are creating content. And we, the older generation, we have to make sure that we are recognizing that as talent and as content and that that can be molded into a real art form. And so once we're able to sort of recover completely from the pandemic and get back in you know, a more stable financial situation. And I think everyone is still trying to do and figure out. Can we do a short film festival? Oh my God, that'd be great. So we do the Oscar shorts every year. And so, but I want to see Columbia. What would it cost to do that? Oh, I did. I did say, hopefully you would bring your checkbook. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I don't know because it depends on. Because I'll tell you what we're doing right now. We're producing uh, a six to eight series. Uh, I don't want to call it a documentary, but it's really about promoting Columbia and the different aspects. That. And we're going to film over a, the year. Uh, we hired a lo- local producer. We, we, we're doing this, but we're having each episode. Right. 
be hosted by a different influencer I love that. in Columbia. Um, and we're putting the list together and all that. And, you know, it'd be great to debut it there and do a series. But yeah. I'd love to see what would it take for us to create a short film festival. And it'd be interesting to do it three ways. You know, I know nothing about what I'm talking about. No, so I love it. Just, we, we love I, the ideas I, I, there. If we did a high school, a college, and professional series. Absolutely. And we got some prize money put in there, but we could fund and give everybody a stipend to create this thing. Right. So that's the main thing is like, we want to make sure that we as an arts organization are able to pay artists. And so that's something that's really important. And so figuring out, you know, how do we make it equitable in that everybody has the same sort of technology to use? So that's where you you really have to start with that. Are we going to open it to anybody? I think it'd be fun to say it has to be filmed on a phone, you know, because if it has to be filmed on a phone, then you have people with, you know, professionals with $100,000 in programming funds also filming on an iPhone, just like a high school student at Columbia High. This is why I'm not in charge of this type of thing, because I got the idea. I just don't know the, the details, yeah. but I love the idea. Yeah. And I'd love to figure out how we could fund one of these to get started and get it jump started and, and create. Because we're getting ready to do citywide fish. It's a, um, we're taking, we're ordered fiberglass fish. They're five feet long. Come on a stand. Wow. And we're, we're every high school, every college will get one. And then we're going to pay artists to do the rest. The whole idea is at the end of this, we're going to auction them off. Oh, I love that. Put all the money into a fund to do more public art so that we can pay artists really to great. do more. Yes. Um, some people like it. Some people don't, you know. We're figuring all that out, but we're also doing the canvas work. So I know you've seen, have you seen the canvas art uh, on uh, um, art bar? Yes. Okay. So we're taking that. We're working with Steven and them and we're going to do, our goal is to do 25 over a period of time. But the first we're going to do it in at least six areas of town and they're going to rotate. We're going to build big frames and send it up. So they each go. So, if this picture may be in in North Columbia this week, and next month it may be out by the VA, you just don't know, and to move around and create some fun around that. And then, of course, you'll have a hashtag that goes with it, and you have to tag the city of Columbia and make sure you're maximizing your social media impact with that. No, that's really – the fish thing is so great to me. One of the things that I talk about – Well, I grew um, up with the cow parade. Yeah. And so for me – it always was thing, and and in uh, another city where we spent a lot of time with my family, they did the lion parade, and and I'm like, why don't we do the same thing and celebrate our river, which we haven't yes. done? Let's use the fish as that. Because somebody's like, why are you doing fish? No, fish is the what, river. The most southern thing I have a I have a question to ask people is, what is more southern, fish on things? or dogs in the back of trucks. So those are two things that I think are the most, are the epitome of Southern. So like you're in South Carolina right now. So you're going to see fish on walls. You're going to see fish on clothes and you're going to see dogs in the back of trucks. So I think the fish thing is just perfect because it's just, I mean, it's where we are. And I think it'd be fun in a way, you know, to encourage people to be engaged, but a way to get the community. When you look, when they did the palmetto trees and the Henley home doors and stuff like that, they sold them and people were excited about it. You know, it becomes an unveiling and there's a party around it and people. They did that when they removed the um, parking meters. Yeah. And I I own two of them. That was one of the first things visually I ever did. I am not a visual artist at all, but I said, this is something I want to be a part of. And so I created, you know, I I did one that had the be the change. Um, And it was, you know, and somebody bought it and it was the coolest thing that's ever happened to me because I was like, somebody bought my artwork. I'm not an artist. It was, uh, um, they turned it into a lure. It sits out of our cabin. Yeah. And it's, it looks like a lure. I love that. And then I did, I bought another one and I can't remember what it was. What it said. But those kind of art projects that are not specific, like it's really interesting because you don't have to be a visual artist to be engaged in that. And visual art is something that is, I think, intimidating for a lot of people. So to figure out a way to get people to step out of their comfort zones and take part in something like that's really interesting. Really, this this could be something. Absolutely, that's something that I've thought. If we do any sort of film festival, that needs to be one component. Is that that's a really easy way to make sure it's equitable. 
So yeah. Except if you don't have an iPhone. Well, you know, I guess we'll allow a Samsung. <laughs> I'm an iPhone person though, so I like. What to... about Pixel? I mean, it could be a is Pixel that, phone. Is that is that a, is that another kind of phone? That's the Google one. Oh, the Google phone, right? Yes, but it's also one of those things where I think schools have enough equipment or some equipment that you could you know, figure out how to get a student one if they wanted one, you know, and there's probably funding for that. If you're a student that wants to take place, take a part in this film festival and you have to have an iPhone, we'll fill out an application and we'll give you an iPhone, you know? So it's, it's a lot easier than saying go buy $500 worth of film equipment. Or we could just find Apple and see if they would sponsor it. See, that's where it's all leads. It's all about the partnerships, right? Yeah. So I think well, that's we're great. working on an Apple store. We've been, we, yes. we, 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 we are pushing hard. We actually were meeting about that this morning. If um, anybody says what, what store like WS will post on Facebook, what store does Columbia need? I mean, it's just Apple store, Apple store. So that's really interesting. We're that we're, we're, there are only two cities out of a hundred cities that are similar to us that don't have one. Strange. We are the capital people. We're very Hello. important. Yeah. I wouldn't have stayed here if this wasn't a great place to be. So no, we're we're excited. So tell us what else what else does the Nick have on the his Nick. plan on the horizon? So I'm very excited. So it's a, such an interesting time of year because as the executive director, we just passed our budget. And so, which doesn't sound fun to a lot of people, but it really is sort of the best part. It's the beginning of the fiscal year and it's like a brand new opportunity and you're in the middle of the summer. So we have, uh, we really want to figure out how we reinvent Indie Grits. Does it stay Indie Grits? Do we come up with a new name for it? Is, you know, I think the people who have Indie Grits tattoos, do they want us to do Indie Grits or are they glad we're not doing it anymore? So we have a lot of questions to ask our community. So we're going to do a lot of strategic planning this year. So we had a lot of recovery last year and rebuilding of a foundation. And by that, I mean, literally we had to get a new HVAC system. Everything had to be redone because the building is, you know, seems new, but it's, it's, getting pretty old now. So we've got a lot of that work that we did this past year. Now the board, we're recruiting really hard for the board this year because it is going to be more important now than ever to create a strategic plan that is beneficial for this organization, but broader beneficial for the city itself. You know, we talk about talent retention and we talk about young people moving here and wanting to live in Columbia. I mean, we have, it's beautiful, it's vibrant, and we have the arts. And if you look at a flourishing city anywhere around this country, if it is a city that's flourishing, it has a flourishing arts community. And so we're, we recognize that we're a big part of that. And so we feel obligated to make sure that we're looking forward for the Nickelodeon as well as Columbia. So I would say, you know, people that are interested in helping Columbia and the arts community and that are interested in governing <laughs> boards to come look at the Nickelodeon, because we've got a lot of opportunity to get new, fresh minds um, and a lot of space on our board to fill for people who really want to help us do that work. So I think that's the biggest part of what we're looking to next, that and strategic planning. So, you know, one of the things people want to know is, is what can they do to help? You know, I mean, I hear a lot of people say we need more arts. We need, you know, we need more spaces, you know, which I don't know we do. I'd love to, uh, you know, one of the things I'd love to see is that the Bethel AME church over on Taylor street becomes a 450 seat. Performing uh, arts. arts in yeah. Here. Absolutely. Lecture hall, you name it. It could, it could be multi-use. I call it our little rhyming. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I hope that would happen. But I mean, what do you see? What do you see out there? I mean, you've been involved pretty heavily in the arts here. What do you see? What are we missing? What could we be? What are the gaps that we need to fill to, really, to really yeah. to really grow up? Because for us, you know, we, we don't it used to be a city where we had all these citywide festivals and all that. And that that's all then. Now it's things are starting to come back. I mean, Soda City's gotten people out. Right. You know, we built a steady people like to do that. We got Finley Park getting redone. You know, we're starting to really utilize our river, but what what is it going to take to draw that in? Because one of the things that we struggle with, and I think arts can play a role in it if it's done correctly. Um, and I don't know that everything we've done has been correct right? because we haven't grown it like we should based on, on what I see. But, you know, we get 15 million visitors a year. We only get 5 million spending the night. We could get another 2.5 million spending the night changes everything from retail to restaurant to theaters to you name it. Absolutely. 
So I, I do think you did tap on it a little bit. I think infrastructure is something that is a, a really big challenge for organizations. I mean, workshop theater was when they lost their building, when USC said you have 10 years to find a new space and they, you know, not to put this part in, but they fumbled the bag, right? So workshop we're, theater. We're keeping that. <laughs> <laughs> and they spent, you know, a lot of money and time not moving. And then they found a small place. But I will say the McCons with workshop, they'd never let it go. And they ended up partnering with Columbia College. And now they have a space that, you know, Columbia College didn't have an art uh, theater program to run. So there were these two partnerships that came together and now they have this amazing space and they've probably had the best year this past year than any other theater and the biggest year for workshop theater in a decade. Wow. So Trust is Theater, you know, is was I was with them for 20 years. The place that they're in it was a ghost town when Jim and Kay Thigpen moved there. There was nothing. And they were instrumental in helping the Vista become what it is today. But that is a warehouse that is run down. And as much money, and you know, we try as arts organizations to keep our ticket prices low so that people can access the arts. But at the same time, everybody else has to raise prices to do everything. So it's it's really interesting that we want arts to be for everybody. But at the same time, if you have a building that is crumbling and a building that is not necessarily safe or any of that kind of stuff, it's hard to feel welcoming. And it's hard to, you know, it's just a really, really interesting situation. I'm lucky at the Nick because they really did their due diligence when they rebuilt this place. And so, yes, I did have to put $20,000 into an HVAC this year, but that's going to, you know, you can't have a movie theater in Columbia, South Carolina on Main Street in 100 degree weather with not an air conditioning. So, there are you can yeah well I think there'll be a lot of lawsuits because yeah. <laughs> there'll be people passing out and so it's really interesting because as much as we want to support the, I think as much as the arts benefit our economy we don't see that a lot we don't get that income back to us a lot and I think that's a lot of the problem we're a nonprofit so it's really interesting every other movie theater they're for profit. They don't have to worry about it as much. I mean, everybody's worrying about the bottom line, but we are trying to do something that's more than just having the doors open for major motion pictures. We feel obligated to give back to this community, and that takes talent and energy. And we have a skeleton of the staff that the Nickelodeon used to have, and I'm pushing the budget with that because I'm trying to make sure we pay our employees in an equitable way. So... I hate to always be like, but I know that, you know, it's but always see, I just, money. I just think it's it, always money. But but I think part of it is, is that we have this thought process that everything should be free and it yes. should be. The reality is not. It's not. Free is not good. Yeah. I will tell. I mean, you can see it. Free always ends up costing more because you, you, you lose. It's hard to employees. maintain. Right. You can't maintain it. Right. And if, if people are willing to pay and they're, inve they're invested in it, so they're with you, they enjoy right. it more. Uh, I think people take things free for granted. And, you know, also, you know, I think over the years that we, we've invested a lot of money in certain parts of art, our art community and not others. And I think we've got to look to how do we grow it as a whole? Right. Um, you know, I will say having these conversations, you know, years ago, it was, you know, you don't always get all the arts leaders in a room together to sit down and, you know, especially I, when you're talking about money. Yeah. And we go to conferences like there are great nonprofit summits here in town, but rarely are they for arts organizations. I'll get one session out of the 50 that they have that's dedicated towards something I might find useful. So if you have conversations, there's a lot more opportunity we're sharing within this arts community, but we are pitted against each other. There's not a lot of corporations that are handing out money. But there's also yeah. a lot of people here not going after all the grant money. Right. I mean, I'm in the Blue Merc program, and I got to tell you, I spent some time with Jamie Levine, who's head of their arts. And, you know, she she gave me a list of all these different uh, funds that you could go to, all right. art fund, this and that. I called about half a dozen of them. Nobody from Columbia has ever applied for anything. And I'm not talking about city. I'm talking like, about send me that list <laughs> organization. But, yeah. you know, having a conversation, maybe I can get Jamie to come down here and do something. But that's part of what I think the problem here is that everybody here is dependent on the government. And the reality is that. we got to quit that because yeah. it's not sustainable. Right. I mean, you wouldn't have any arts organizations in Columbia right now if there had not been 
um, money during the pandemic that we were given. I mean, I can tell you right now that most arts organizations are probably working in a post-pandemic uh, deficit still based on using the money that's in everybody's account from the small venues operating grant funds that they got, and which was a lifesaver. We wouldn't be open without it. No arts organization in this state, I'm on a statewide organization, would be open without that money that we received. And it was given to us. And then it was also like, okay, now go forth and do what you do in, in a changing population of people. And so as much as we are, I will say arts people are also very taxed with time because when you look at an arts organization, you have three people doing the work of 20. And so, because that's all you can pay. And so it, I think what would be really cool is like you say, you, you were given this list. Yes. Reach out to like, come to us sometimes. It's really hard for us to always go where to other people. And so having said, you know, I talked to the arts commission once and I said, thank you for all y'all do. And I said, but as a teacher, I didn't have the time to learn how to write a grant that y'all would accept. That's why we gave a hundred thousand dollars this year yeah. to one Columbia specifically to write grants for arts organizations. Interesting. Yep. That's what we told them that, that that's what that we wanted they them to, to see. Yeah. yeah. So that's because, what we need. But because, but the arts community has been deflected here for so long because they're fighting for the same pot. Exactly. That the is our problem. Pot, but, but nobody's going out. But at the same time, you know, I don't know how many times I've sat in a presentation. Well, we, you know, we're, we're given free thing or we're reducing the amount. Don't reduce it. Right. You want to give back, then do a performance and get a corporation to put goodwill money into it right. and fund it. The army has grants for art programs mm -hmm. that if you do a debut show just for the, for the soldiers and their families and yeah. allow them to come, they'll pay for the performance. Love that. But nobody's utilizing. I've also never grants. heard of that. So it's like as much as I mean, I have a person who works in development and we can sit on the Internet all day long and research and you making that one connection and knowing that thing is going to be more instrumental. And you telling me about this list is more instrumental to me in this 10 minutes than you know, she's probably been able to find in a week of sitting on the Internet and trying to see what we might qualify for. And that's where I came to the conclusion yeah. that and I uh, think a lot of people on council was, is that we got to figure out a better way because yes, we have some amount of dollars and we have to use hospitality dollars for multiple things. It can't be 100% here. We can, we've got to grow right. all the way around because we need enough different varieties of entertainment and reasons to people to come here to spend the money in the restaurants. Right. And it's not just this, but we also there seems to be this hesitance about people in Columbia, you know, doing the extra work to get out. So if we're going to fund an organization, let's fund that organization to help people get money. Yes, I get that. That makes a lot of sense. So being able to help, I think what is a big push for us is getting people to help open those doors. And so if, you know, anytime you hear about people that want to give arts organizations money, you know, all you have to do is, tell one person we'll spread the word. So I'm like, I'll give you my phone number. I'll be like, just give me a call at the Nickelodeon and we will apply well, for that grant. I'm going to reach out to Jamie and see if yeah. she, she would get set up a call and share a lot of the information that Bloomberg Philanthropies does. I think that's really cool. And, but they've cr compiled a list too. Not only do they give out grants, but they have a list of all the organizations. No, I think that's a great idea. And so it, it is really interesting too. One thing I will say about public funds that I have to give Columbia shout out for is, you know, having been with Trusted Theater for so long, had Jim and Kay Thigpen, they came down here with a mission and they said, we're going to produce works that most people in Columbia would never have access to. And it's going to push the envelope in a lot of ways that Columbia wasn't necessarily comfortable with in the beginning. But where Trustus is now, it's not even with, especially with the internet, like you can't do stuff taboo anymore because the internet's going to beat you tenfold. But had Columbia not said, we invest in you and we believe in what you're doing, they would, Trustus wouldn't be here because they had to say, we're not going to sell, you know, we're not going to be able to sell a hundred tickets for this really, really unique show that's, but we helped push the culture of Columbia into a more progressive arts community. And I will say, I do have to say thank you for the public funds for helping us be able to do those things. So it is great that we do have the money that comes in and is helpful to continue to help build our foundations because it is instrumental to what we do. But anytime you hear about other organizations that want to give arts people money, I think I'll, we'll do somersaults for it. You just let us know. I like it.
Somersaults I'm not, on Main I'm not Street. Gonna, yeah, I'm too tall to do somersaults. <laughs> somersaults on Main Streets for money. Yes, uh, actually, that's going to be my next uh, development campaign. So y'all come on down. But I also think some of these citywide, you know, um, we had some folks that didn't like the idea of the way we were doing fish and, and other stuff. And I'm like, look, we're going to try something different. You know, we're going to keep doing the same thing. Let's try something gonna... different. And if we can raise a bunch of money, because I, I mean, I think, A, it'd be cool to to cut, go around and, and you know, think about the Five Points, the Vista, Main Street, corporations that have a fish out there left over, like the horses down in Lexington or Absolutely. the oysters they're doing in Mount Pleasant yeah. or, you know, you know, I said, it just, A, it looks cool. It gives people reason to, you know. And it's a good story. Plug. It's it a really great is. story. But if we can raise money for more public art, you Absolutely. know, um, and, and it can't just be murals. We need other things. No, I think that was actually going to be like the caveat needs to be. We're not just talking about um, one type of art. Right. This is for all different types of public art, because, you know, defining what public art means. I think a lot of people, if you ask them what that means, they're going to be like, oh, you know, Five Points did that thing or they have the Hootie and the Bluefish statue. And yeah, both of those things are public art. But so is the Shakespeare Company out in Finley Park doing a production of Much Do About Nothing. Right. And, and, and you know, that was one of the things I, uh, we were talking about. How do you create a true arts festival? It becomes a citywide event where it's it's visual art, it's musical, it's you know, it's every art you can think of, including culinary art. Yes. And you tie in all that and you set it up so that the main event is in every district every night. So it's it's over a four or five day period. So you could go out to North Maine and, and see a play. Right. Or you could go see a short film or you can go see a musical concert or you can go do this. And then you have all the arts and vendors and all these little small workshops going on. And then there's food and entertainment where it becomes something where people can, you know, it becomes a three or four day event. Yeah. And then it's, it, it really is because, you know, as a theater person, I'm tired of Greenville and the way that they boast about their arts community up there. And, you know, we always kind of feel like we're having to fight against this, um, you know, reputation that we're not as strong when it comes to the arts as we are as someplace like um, Greenville or Charleston. But I beg to differ. And I think that we have great opportunities here. And as long as we have people, especially like you, um, who are in public positions to help make that happen and have division. It's really great. Well, we have to continue to engage the business community here. And that's and, very important. And they have not been, they're, I feel like they're engaged now, but I don't, I'm not sure they've stayed consistently engaged. Right. And that makes a difference too. It really does. Greenville will tell you that was one of the biggest strong points that they had, which was, you know, keeping the business community engaged and so they can move things forward. You know, when something happened, I was out in um, uh, Omaha, Nebraska. And this is very interesting because I had heard of other communities, cities actually setting up offices of philanthropy of places where people could donate if it's land or, or corporations could oh, be involved. Yeah. In, in, and so they're doing $450 million worth of renovation downtown. Uh, uh, you know, a, a, a MARTA train connecting parts of it, brand new amphitheater, all this landscaping stuff, only 50 million of its taxpayer money. 400 is from all the corporations committed. That's amazing. In a goodwill effort. Yeah, absolutely. That's so important. And I think you're right. A lot of people don't talk about that as much. And, and I do think as we talked a little bit about is the arts community can get competitive because we're all pulling from the same pot, but yeah, I think re-engaging those businesses and letting them know how vital they are to the support of this community is so important. And, and, and I think the more we engage and we give, and we got to be a little more creative. I mean, I, I had some people and, and, you know, I mean, I think it's fair to say, but I had some people go, you know, how many times are we going to see the same ballet? Oh, I'm not and, touching the ballet, <laughs> and, and, but and, no, I know exactly what you mean. And, and I'm, and, you know, look, there's certain ballets everybody does every year and this and that, but people are like, you know, we, we need some things to draw more people out of Absolutely. their homes and get them more engaged it in the community. And, and can we do something creative? You know, we, we do these pockets of great things. Like I went to the performance that they did last year, Lincoln, uh, dinner on Lincoln. You yeah, know? absolutely. But why can't we do more things like that Right. And, and make it exclusive? You know, 
there are only 200 tickets, but we're going to yes. do multiple of these. And, you know, it's like the bridge dinner. I was about to say it's just like the bridge dinner. Why, which I why love. can't we do it more than once a year? And the bridge dinner would be they should have another bridge dinner that supports arts organizations. <laughs> and so that would be really cool because your seat, you go out there and you have the, like you said, culinary arts. And then you've got artists who are performing at these events. Yet as of right now, the Gervais Street Bridge Dinner doesn't support support arts organizations. You can't get the money from them because they, they only go to certain types of organizations. And I think that could be a really cool way to raise money for arts organizations in Colombia is doing special events like that. But you have to doing creative. Yeah. So, you know, one of the companies, uh, Mayor Benjamin, when he was mayor, he had um, one of the meetings for the leadership of the U.S. Conference of Mayors here. Right. And they did a dinner in the bottom of the quarry. Oh, I love that. I. But why haven't we done a performance in the bottom of the quarry and got Vulcan to be involved? The, the I bet quarry nobody, out there? Yeah. Out of Monticello Road? No, right down here in, oh, the, that in one, Olympia. Okay. I was like, isn't that quarry have water in it? I think I used to jump in it when I was a teenager. Down by? But think about that. When's the last time somebody went to Vulcan and got them engaged? They've been here. Right. They're, they're not leaving for another 17 years. Who's gone to sit down with them and engage them? What? I don't even know anyone there. So if you have a contact, I'll be happy. I might just might engage. have a contact or two, but <laughs> but these but this is no. I know exactly the, what you mean. You have to get creative, and and I think this is where we have an opportunity to set ourselves apart. Absolutely, by taking some of these natural resources that we have and these assets that are in our doorstep and engaging them. Because I think companies want to give back, but they also don't want to give to the same thing that everybody else is. They want something that's a little bit, I don't know, signature. No, I, I think that is a very interesting point. And I will say a lot of or, arts organizations are, you know, we're, they're doing their best. So I think any way that we can you know, have these ideas and then help them figure out how to make, do something unique. You know what I think we're going to do? Hold their hands. Yeah. I think we're going to have a contest. And I think <laughs> we're going to, we're going to ask for people to come up with ideas and whoever's the winner is going to get a hundred thousand dollars. And it, all right. To do it. Okay. I'm like, what are the, who, who, anyone in Columbia or it has to be an organization? I don't know. I got to think through this. I love it. But getting people to be creative or whatever they've thought about and never followed up on and put it on a show board and lay it out to a committee. And then that there's committee tons of pick, people that have ideas right now and that they idea, don't know what to do with them. The seed money's the hundred thousand dollars. I think that's really interesting. And, you know, cause I do, I was thinking the other day, I miss the Three Rivers Music Festival. Like that was such a blast. And I heard they're doing a music festival out in Lexington now. And I was like, and I heard a rumor and I'm not, and I may know that it's true that (laughs) we're going to get a singer songwriter festival here. Oh, I like that. That's really cool. Um, Are you going to get like a really small unknown artist like Taylor Swift? We started looking at it. It's interesting is the songwriters from South Carolina. The list is so long. It's incredible. It is. It is actually really, in really every special. genre. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you'd always love to God. Could you imagine three nights of Taylor Swift here? We could, we could create an arts budget beyond I mean, everybody's dream. She's Somebody bring, told yeah. me she's bringing in a billion dollars on her concert. 1.5 billion. And then in Chicago, I think her, Having her come and tour in Chicago, the city of Chicago made $48 million in tourist revenue. So, yeah, I mean, that would be great. But I don't think she's coming to Columbia, South Carolina anytime soon, or I'd already have tickets. She's been here. Yeah, but that was a long time ago. And But, yeah, so it's things like that. So I'm just, I think that, I think there's a lot of people in the city that have a lot of great ideas, and they don't even know where to start. So if you can tell them where to start, I think you're going to be doing a lot of good things. Yeah, that would be really fun. Also love the idea of the um, singer songwriter festival. Yeah, I think that's going to happen there. Um, um, as a matter of fact, Patrick Davis is doing a series with ETV nationally, uh, PBS, and I think they're going to sh- they're going to shoot an episode here, really and cool. it's going to be at the Chappelle Auditorium over at Allen. So oh, I love that historic, you know, yes. auditorium like that. Also, spotlight our HBCUs as much as possible because. Yeah, got good ones that need attention. So, but growing off of that and having so, songwriter, for one, I've never seen anybody not like 
going to a songwriter event and hearing the story behind the song and the and, and how it happened. And, and with all, all the breweries that we have, because I'm like, what goes hand in hand with that? It's a cold beer, right? So you're sitting in an audience listening to somebody. And, so, and, and it's a lot less expensive yeah. to set that up Absolutely. than a full-bled concert. So it's sustainable. And well, I mean, as we're talking about, you know, creative idea, the one of the things that, that drives me crazy is that we don't set up and I think we ought to do this and Nickelodeon be the perfect thing is, is you pick either down by the river or when Finley Park's finished or maybe over at Bull Street in Ellen Page Park, six weeks, you have an outdoor theater set up. And movies start at nine when it gets thing. Absolutely. But you team up with food trucks. And so you can come and eat and you sell the ticket. Everything's encompassed in the thing. I love that. And you sell a ticket. So I went to this one in Zurich, Switzerland, and I've done it three times. And I think it's the coolest thing. And I went and saw a movie, subtitled, obviously. But we went there, paid $24 for the tickets, went in, had dinner. It, they had four restaurants set up that you could go to. Um, you know, they ran out of a you know a little portable kitchen. And then halfway through the movie, they took a, a a quick intermission and they handed out ice cream cones to everybody in the thing. You sit in this theater oh, and I love you're that. looking over the water. Yeah. So awesome. I, I want to do a partnership with Lake Murray. I don't know if y'all have ever seen this thing where they have people sit in rafts and watch Jaws, which I know it's a lake and so there aren't any sharks, but I feel like that's just so terrifying to sit in a body of water and watch the movie Jaws at the same time would be really cool and terrifying. And I think a lot of people would like Well, that. if you can figure out how to do it before the coffer dam that Scan oh, yeah. has got there, you've got a, a built-in swimming pool right there. I love it. On the river. I love and it. And put the screen over there and then everybody gets in the coffer dam and watches it. Uh, that sounds really cool. I just think that would be such a cool experience. I don't know if I'd be able to handle it. I would probably freak myself out. <laughs> I'd be too scared. I would know logically there are no sharks, but I would think there were sharks. All right, Sumner, you know, we're, we're, we're getting to the end of the show. Tell people how they can support the Nickelodeon. What can they do besides memberships? Can they share ideas? Can they buy hundreds of tickets? I mean, what do you need them to do? To I mean, you, you can always buy hundreds of tickets. No, but yeah, memberships are our number one thing. Come see movies with us. If it's at a multiplex, it might also be at the Nickelodeon. So check with us first. Come have dinner and drinks on Main Street and then come see a movie afterwards. Um, but we have opportunities for advisory committees for programming. We're going to have opportunities for engaging uh, filmmakers in the South and South Carolina. So uh, our website is a really good place to stay in touch on our social media. Hey, so if you haven't haven't been to Nickelodeon in a long time or have never been there, get on the web, go take a look, see what's there, go experience it. Have dinner before or after. There's a great ex time downtown Main Street, and you'll probably meet a whole bunch of people that you didn't know before. Yeah, sixteen hundred block experience. is where it's happening on Main Street. Just, just come on down. You can't miss it. 